This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Wheelhouse. Earlier this year, my business partner and I launched a new vacation rental management company. And knowing that having top-notch software providers by our side was a major key to success, we set out to find the best revenue management software in the short-term rental space. This is where Wheelhouse comes in. It's an incredibly robust platform that gives us critical market data and integrates seamlessly into our software stack. More importantly, it's built by a great team with a ton of easy tools for you to earn more on your short-term rental. Put simply, Wheelhouse has enabled us to grow our business and earn more on every reservation. We use it daily, and if you're in or looking to get into owning or managing a short-term rental, I know it can help you too. To learn more, head over to their website, usewheelhouse.com, and you can use code KNOWINGHOSPITALITY to get 50% off your first month with Wheelhouse. That's usewheelhouse.com. Now let's get to the podcast. What does that mean? In my opinion, I think it means that we need to change the way that we, the way our hospitality leadership is. Traditionally, it's been very bureaucratic. It's been a little bit transactional, right? From what you mentioned about the vanity metrics and how it's hard to get promotions. So now we need to shift it into becoming more of transformational leadership. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Tejal Patel. She's a third-generation hotelier and founding CEO of Neem Tree Hospitality based in the greater Houston area. I first got to talking with Tejal on Clubhouse, where we would discuss the culture and hospitality and how we can move the needle as the industry reopens. Well, now that that's actually happening, I wanted to have her on the show to expand on some of those earlier discussions. And perhaps more importantly, since she's on the cusp of opening her own hotel, dive in a little bit deeper to bridge the theory discussions of the past with the realities of an actual working asset. We're both very cognizant that discussions about work culture can come across as nothing more than complaining. So we try to keep the discussion constructive with concrete examples that hopefully inspire new thinking and actions. So let's get to it. This is episode 58 of the Proven Principles podcast, Tejal Patel on the hospitality culture crisis. Enjoy. Tejal, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Long time in the works. I'm sorry? This is a long time in the works. We've been trying to make this happen for a little bit. It's finally happening. I'm really excited about this episode. Me too. Me too. So uh, before we dive in uh, to uh, probably a pretty big topic here, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What's your connection to the industry? Sure. So um, my name is Tejal Patel. I am a third-generation hotelier, um, born and raised in the industry. Um, I have, and, and that's by choice, where my career has still followed into hospitality. Um, I went to school at the University of Houston, where I studied hotel and restaurant management. I graduated in 2014, um, and throughout my career, um, ever since I was legally able to work, um, <laughs> I've worked in different areas of the industry. Um, such as hotels and restaurants, and um, and I've worked in operations and, um, and consulting, so and events. And so um, a few years ago, I decided to come back to the family business. Um, I hated it, and then I left again, <laughs> and then I came back, and then um, but I came back on my own terms. And so in late 2019, I created my company called Mean Tree Hospitality, which is a development, investment, and uh, consulting. Um, 
company and uh, then the pandemic hit and uh, it's been a bit of a slow process to get things ramped up, but um, now I'm here. So yeah, yeah that's a yeah. little bit about me. I, that's, and uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say, you know, you came back on your own terms and that's really a good segue into what we're going to talk about a little bit today with so many people are in the industry. They've been in the industry for so long, have experienced a lot over the last, let's just call it two years, you know, or a year and a half with, with the pandemic, you know, myself included. And a lot of us, I think are trying to figure out what does the next chapter in this industry look like for us? And through the pandemic, I've been talking a lot along, along with like a lot of other people who are maybe not brand affiliated, uh, who were still employed, uh, through the pandemic, uh, traditionally employed, uh, have been talking about a lot of the cultural issues in the industry that we all know are a problem, it, whether it's said or unsaid hours, ability to take vacation, vacation time, picking up and moving your entire life over the course of a weekend to like a completely different side of the country. Um, you know, being, uh, trying to get on a fast track for promotions and never being able to get there, uh, how work is graded vanity metrics that kind of grade how well you're doing in your property. Like there's, we could, I could just list things for half an hour. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on and where are we at right now with this? Um, and you're connected to the industry pretty deeply. What are you seeing out there? I'm seeing that. This issue with culture and, and employees not being happy within our industry or even just the fact that we have labor shortages, it's nothing new. I think way before the pandemic, we've been seeing these and these have these issues have been topics of conversation, um, but it didn't really hit hard until the pandemic. And now that we're in this recovery phase, it's getting a lot harder to bounce back. I mean, despite the fact that our industry has come back quicker than we expected, we don't have the people there to help us and support us in that. And so with that being said, I think that now, I think the one thing that we learned during this pandemic was to innovate. And this is the word of the century and I'm so tired of hearing it, but pivot, mm. you know? So for lack of a better word, we had to learn to pivot and think of new different ideas. And now we still need to work on that and build it to the next level. So what does that mean? In my opinion, I think it means that we need to change the way that we the way our hospitality leadership is. Traditionally, it's been very bureaucratic. Um, it's been a little bit transactional, right? From what you mentioned about the vanity metrics and how it's hard to get promotions. So now we need to shift it into becoming more a transformational leadership because that's essentially what's going to help or that's essentially what's going to um, keep your employees happy. And honestly, stay with you and feel like they're bringing value. So that's where I think I'm at. Um, do I think that it's going to happen overnight? No, I think it's something that's an effort that's going to be done at, you know, every specific company, establishment, big hotel or small hotel. It's something that leadership is going to have to be proactive and implementing. Yeah, the really great thoughts. I, I agree with you across the board there. The thing that has always frustrated me is that things in the industry are slow to change. It's like turning a tanker ship. It just takes forever. It takes an immense amount of energy and, and in some cases, political will to want to do it. Or, you know, maybe there's a, um, if you can figure out what the ROI is on it, like if you could put a real dollar to the ROI, then, you know, you figure out sometimes if it's worth 
if the juice is worth the squeeze. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we've, we've got that. You've got the situation where uh, many hotel companies and managers don't feel comfortable being at the tip of the spear. They don't want to lead the change. They want to see how it works for other people. And then if they can follow suit, and usually what happens is the big guys will do it. And then everybody's like, okay, well, you know, Marriott's doing it. So it's safe for us to go ahead and do it by and large. Uh, And then you've got the situation where if somebody's job isn't dependent on them changing their thinking or behavior, if they've always been successful doing it one way, what is the incentive and... Uh, and, and even the the willingness to go through those hard changes mentally, psychologically, uh, they don't get pushed to do it. And what I've been saying kind of along the way is this is almost like it's going to take a mid-level management push to really move the needle. I don't necessarily at a macro level believe that it's going to happen at the highest levels within the hospitality kind of corporate um, mega structure as it was, as it were. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think the, it's typically the people who are at the top, right? They're the experienced people. And then at the bottom, right, you have, sometimes they're younger, so they're, they're hungrier. They have talent, right? They're booming with talent. But then when you get to the middle level, it's such a unique place to be at because you have a combination of both. And so, I mean, in my opinion, it's going to take the mid-level management in, in all different areas, right? Like mid-level, whether it's in hotel management specifically or in the operations side, or even if you're like a developer, real estate person, and you know, it's going to take the middle-level management to kind of make all these gears work a little bit better, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, no, it does. And, and again, you know, bringing up the point about development and investors and brands and like there's there are a lot of stakeholders uh in the in the pool and uh the ownership piece i think is the one that's seen the most transformation over the last let's call it 10 years where a lot more um whether it's institutional money, it's private investors, it's the, uh, I'll use air quotes around this, it's it's the MBA class that come in as asset managers that don't, that have never really worked in a hotel before, that have to justify their existence to the ownership group by, you know, doing it kind of against the brand or the management company. Like they have to sh- show value there, right? And I have an MBA, so, you know, I can, <laughs> I kind of, I understand the thinking. You're getting, getting one. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of get, I don't mean to disparage the, the, you know, the, the degree. Um, but the point is, is that this is an industry that's always it, because it's so personal and it's all about connecting with people. It's very hard to run it from a spreadsheet. And it's very hard sometimes when you're in a meeting with an ownership group or an asset manager to articulate in real terms, the, the, the psychological benefits of doing X, Y, and Z and how that translates, like what the ROI is on that. Those are very hard things to like get your arms around and articulate. It's hard to quantify and even just to, you know, prove the point of like why things should change in this way or that way. Like, for example, a lot of conversations we've had in recent years is about diversity, right? I mean, yeah, it sounds like having an inclusive and equitable environment seems like the most ethical and right thing to do. 
But at the same time, what an owner investor is going to be like, well, what's my ROI on this? If it's not making money, it's not exactly. making sense. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really hard to quantify those things really. Um, and it's the, the point you bring about ownership. I mean, that hits really hard for me because I'm transitioning into that side or, or I am already on that side. Um, but I've grown up with, I've grown up in a family of entrepreneurs and hotel owners, but we've all worked up our way within the hotel to get to that other side. And what I've seen in the last, I would say in the last decade is we've seen so much new um, hotel assets, right? Popping up out of nowhere. And I think that today's owners, most of them, not everyone, they are really just treating it like a real estate asset, but they're not exactly being mindful of the fact that there's a particular service, a particular industry that is based off of something that isn't really transactional. You know, that's going on inside that piece of real estate. And so you can't treat it the same way as you would like right. say, like a strip center or something. It's true. There's something I was actually thinking about this before we, we started recording um, that one of the difficult things of working in the industry for a long time is that it's almost like a bottomless pit of giving. <laughs> you, it, it never ends. You, you literally, you, and this is, I think why the burnout rate is, is pretty high is that you, it's right. You, it's it draining. is. And you give and give and give and give. That is your job every day. And it doesn't matter what level, what position you're in. You're either doing it for guests or you're doing it for employees or you're doing it for owners or you're doing it for all three or the brand. Um, and what that does over time, I think, is it conditions it conditions those on the property to um I'm not going to articulate, this is a new thought. So I'm, I'm articulating it as I'm talking here, but like it, it conditions you on the property. It becomes this like natural reflex, this sort of muscle memory that, that eventually that is just the thing that you do. It's, and it, it becomes the right thing to do and it feels good. And then you, and you like doing it, even though you're burnt out, like there's that, there's that whole thing. But again, it goes back to when that it's hard to articulate a feeling and a benefit to somebody that doesn't feel it or see the benefit into a, into spreadsheet. a spreadsheet. Yeah. Right? And I think that might be the kind of the crux of what we're talking about here is that you, yeah. there has to be a meeting in the middle and there has to be a willingness on the side of, of an ownership group to, um, to understand there's more than going, there's a story behind the numbers. It's up to the management company to be able to articulate that in a way that's not just like, you know, throwing a temper tantrum. Uh, and it's a very, I feel like right now it's a bit of a gap to, um, to bridge. Absolutely. And especially, I mean, we're just coming out of this pandemic that has literally ravaged our industry. So, um, we got to think about the priorities that all these different stakeholders have. So for example, for employees working in the hotels who are actually working in the hotels, their priority is literally just trying to get by and, you know, get their day-to-day -day jobs going, get their careers back in track, management companies, their job is to open their doors again, right? Or sorry, their goal is to open their doors again and get back to ramping up. And then owners, I mean, most owners, they're trying yeah. to get some relief if anything, because the, their profits have really mm -hmm. just completely shrunk over this period. And now they got to think about how am I going to pay back my mortgage? How am I going to uh, get my loans forgiven or, or my idle stuff? So that's like right now that, that that's the number one priority for all these different people. So what's more important, right? It depends who you ask. You need the money to keep the doors open. Mm -hmm. 
you need the doors to be open to keep people working or to keep guests coming in to keep people working. Uh, and you need to provide an incredible environment, especially now where recruiting is very difficult, where uh, not only do you want to attract people to come and work at your property, I think that your recruiting strategy starts with a retention strategy. And right. So, so what are you doing to make sure that the people that are still there uh, want to stay and aren't going to be pulled away by a $200 signing bonus? Uh, and then they just end up skipping around town, going to every, every hotel, every three months, getting that, that sign up bonus. Um, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. It's so much work. And, you know, and that's where it comes down to having a strategic plan, you know, and I would say, I mean, I can't, this is probably not the best solution. Again, I can't, I'm not going to be able to articulate it because this is a new thought, but I think it's just everyone literally doesn't need to get down, sit down together. I mean, like even like for each individual hotel and just figure out some sort of plan for each asset or whatever in your portfolio. Cause there's, if we're just looking out for our own, company's benefit. What I mean is like, for example, say like I was an owner, I hired you, right. To run one of my hotels and stuff. And if you're still, if you're just focused on the thing I talked about, which is just ramping up, taking care of employees. And I'm just focused on paying my loans back. And I don't give a a shit about what you're doing. Just make me some money. Then we're never, we're always going to be in this like vicious cycle. And this thing happens all the time. You know, earlier I talked about transformational leadership. And so, um, I read this study like from it was like from the early 90s and so that topic came up and it was the same issues then or same, sorry the same issues going on now were happening then labor shortages um a lot of development was happening um and culture was an issue and so um the interesting thing that article said was like things were a little bit more um transactional up until now but because we're having these issues we needed you know shift into transformational and I think we saw our industry, you know, do better, but now we're dipping again, you know? So you've got to change your strategies in whatever ways you can. And I know it sounds like I'm just repeating myself. It totally is. I yeah. It's so important. We're at this inflection point where we still have the, the ability and the presence of mind to address these things. We will very quickly get to a point where it's too busy to make happen. Um, just like I was talking to my wife the other day about, you know, the, it's like a, it's a buyer's or seller's market or buyer's market about job seekers right now. It's going to be very short-lived, right? At some point, things will sort of revert back to a version of what they were before the pandemic. Um, This is the time to have those conversations because, no, I was just gonna say, because the will is there. The the will is there to do it. You got to take advantage. I mean, we all talk about it, right? It's so easy to like talk and complain about the problems and issues and give very educated answers on what we can do and how to do it. But there's no point in mm-hmm. talking about it if we're not actually going to do it, you know? Like, and it's always the same thing we're saying all over and over again. And like, for example, like when I said earlier that we, we were dealing with labor shortages before the pandemic even happened, right? But we were just talking about it. What were we doing to combat yeah. it, you know? And, and I'm guilty of this, you know? I'm guilty of like saying this is a problem, but not really actively finding a solution. And, you know, and the topic of that you just spoke of, like talking to your wife about like, we're going to quickly go back to a peer stagnation, even though things have built up. I was having a conversation with one of my partners the other day and uh, they were saying um, that, oh, wow, like summer's crazy. 
summer's booming. Like this whole recovery thing that they said, we won't get until like 23 or 24. Like that's not possible. And it's like, summer is summer. Like wait until fall starts and we're going to be back to where we started. There's so many unknowns right now about travel. We don't know how business travel is going to come back and group travel. And sure, there's anecdotal stories about different parts of the country where that's happening. There's also huge swaths of the country that are highly dependent on tech company travel, like the entire West Coast where I live, um, where a lot of these companies are saying, you know, we're going to hybrid work environment, minimal work travel, like continuing down the road that we've been dealing with now for, you know, uh, the better part of a year. Long way of saying that we don't know how this is all going to shake out. So the summer travel bump was 100% predictable, 100%. That's going to go away in September when everybody's back in school, right? So it's, yeah. I was, I was thinking, you know, it'd be interesting to see, like, because right now we're all like, we can't find people, we can't find people. And then, um, uh, like, when fall comes up, I'm going to be like, well, are we going to have a really good question. Though, we, that's, like, but that's, <laughs> we've got to be, you have to think that way. I'm glad you brought that up. Because, yeah. You got to be visual. Are you freaking this, out you know? in your hotel like, right now because you don't have anybody <laughs> that can work? But is that a short-lived problem? I'm freaking out because I'm like, okay, yeah, like right now I'm, I, it's hard for me to find people, but I'm as an owner, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm doing front desk and helping strip rooms and stuff. So I'm there, I'm there to, you know, be a little bit more proactive. I can be that extra hand, but then it's like, I'm freaking out because what am I going to do when fall comes up and I have about four months left in the year. And for me, at least and every market's different, you know, from where I'm at, it is really, really hard to get your business going in like the last few months of the year, you know? So like, then what am I going to do? Cause then if I already have people on staff, like, am, are they going to feel like I got to let them go? Yeah. Like, that's yeah, what's completely. like freaking yeah. me out. And there's just, it's hard to have visibility on what's going to happen later in the year. Right. So that, that unknown just creates a whole bunch of yeah. anxiety and panic and right. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I want to be um, specific in giving some things that I think hotels, in f- from a recruiting perspective, if they're not looking at it right now, they may want to look at in in terms of um, going above and beyond the uh, the the hiring. Uh, the hiring bonus, whatever it is, $200, $1,000, whatever it is, you know, an extra couple bucks an hour. Great. And you know, you're, you you advertise your suite of great benefits and, and all these things like that. That is, everybody's doing that. And one of the reasons that nobody really is getting any traction is because everybody's doing the same thing. Back to my point earlier is that nobody, there are very few hotels that want to be tip of the spear and try something truly different. And some of the things that I've been thinking about how to how to bring into a hotel, and like I'm an operations guy. I mean, I I spent years making schedules, hiring people, you know, figuring out job duties, train all of this stuff. So I kind of I see both sides of this. And some areas I think that we need to be starting to play around with are things like, is can you do better on a three day or a four day work week? but still give somebody full-time hours. So they still get their 40 hours a week, but maybe they do it over three 12-hour, well, that wouldn't be 40 hours, but like, you know, three 12-hour days over three days or four 10-hour days, whatever whatever that system is. You know, benefits that are uh, inclusive of other family members or maybe getting rid of the employee portion of benefits. Um, 
uh, you know, true cross-training opportunities within properties so that people can get exposure to other areas. Promoting, this is a thing actually that I've heard Facebook does that I think is brilliant, where they give you a certain number of hours every, is it quarterly, monthly, yearly, I'm not sure, um, where you can work on your own side hustle. You can work on a project that is meaningful to you and you can do it on the company time. That's the kind of thinking those, are, and that's not going to be applicable to everybody. You know, the, the 25 year career housekeeper probably just, you know, that may not work, but you know what? There's a lot of like up and coming young people working at the front desk or working in supervisory roles where things like that might really resonate with them. But at the same time, don't just sit in your office, beating your head against the wall, trying to come up with the next great thing that you think is a great idea that people are going to resonate with. Ask your team. No brainer, right? No brainer. <laughs> like, like you when you're saying like, oh, like all these benefits and stuff, everyone's doing it. Well, it's, and it's like, yeah, okay. Well, then how about this guy? Is like, why don't you yeah. actually see if these are the benefits that people are wanting? You know, like, and you know the big you know, the big thing in our industry is empathy, right? That's how we do our day-to-day, -day, you know, business. Whenever we're taking care of our guests is we lead with empathy. And so I try to think like, what would I have wanted when I was this person in their life, wherever they are, or even especially when I was a young person coming in. And the thing that was super important for me was a couple of things, just the opportunity to learn and then also to get some mentorship out of it, you know? Um, and I think those are the two things, especially mentorship, you know, that's really going to make people feel like they can stay and they can grow. And, you know, sometimes people, when they go into a job, they just go into it. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a job. It's a way for me to make my ends meet, for me to put food on the table. And that's I, I, and I can respect that. But then as a manager, you can still inspire your people to think of it in a different way that, yes, like this is a career. This is something where, yeah, it's helping me put food on the table. Yeah. But this is also a career that I can grow in. That, those were some of the most frustrating things when I was coming up. I remember when I finally got into my first uh, assistant manager job after trying for a while and looking back on it, was I ready for it at the, all of the other times that I applied? I mean, probably, probably not. Maybe I was, I don't know. It, it's really hard to say. Uh, it was, a, it was a while ago. Uh, but you know, some of the things that I remember would have been so helpful would have been, I hate, I hesitate to say the word guarantee because a lot of things would need to fall in place for it to happen, but like a very clear path of, of, of progression through like, so I knew what I was working towards, you know, like if you're in martial arts or you're like, you know, you're in, you play team sports, like you kind of, you sort of know what you need to do to get to the next level, how you need to perform. There's a certain, whatever you're, you're trying to do. Like there's a, a clear path through. We don't have that. It's really just a, like, is it, do you do this job long enough? And then like, you're the best server in the restaurant. So you become a supervisor or it, if you're really dedicating yourself to the industry, um, there's a lot of people that have been doing it a long time that in spite of their desire, never get beyond a certain level, right? And, and, and I look at that in one respect as like, that could be a fault and a failure on, on the brand or the management or the ownership, whatever the structure is aside, because maybe this person's getting passed up for promotion time and again, and they're just not given the tools 
to effectively develop themselves to be able to take on the next role, even if maybe they have the talent to do it, which is a whole other discussion. Yeah, no, I agree. And so um, I have to, I disagree and agree with you on what you said about how we don't have a clear path. Like, for example, like we don't really know what the next step is. And I, I'm going to say I disagree in a way because if you, if you have no idea, like going into it, then yeah, of course, you know, um, I think for most of us who like went to like a, who have learned hospitality, grew up in it, they go into it and they know, okay, like, this is what I got to do. And this is what I got to do. Um, but like typically the average person who doesn't have this background, they don't really know. Um, with that being said, it, it is, I, companies like, for example, like Hilton and Marriott and, and all them, right? Like, you know, I, I don't know if maybe your training was a little bit different, but when I got hired by Hilton, um, we had like two or three weeks of like these online videos and trainings and stuff we had to do. And so like they would share that with us, right? Mm -hmm. And that little thing. Um, and then you get your completion certificate at the end. And that was it. Yep. Like I didn't hear about it ever again from the managers, you know? <laughs> so it's like, and, and like, when it comes down to like all these trainings and these new ideas and how things are going to work, like it's, it's literally like, you know, like when you study for a test, you're literally just studying to remember what could be on the test and then you forget it. You know, and that's kind of like what it is. So. No, but you're right though. You're, you're, you're definitely right. And I think the, the, the point of, of kind of this whole section of conversation is that there's no, obviously there's no one size fits all, but there's also no single solution. I think that it's, it's, it's it, like, like, as we, I hate to tie everything back to the beginning of our conversation, but it comes down to everyone making some time and efforts to make it better. And what I, and even as employees, right? Like it is, sometimes it's hard for us, right? To communicate what we need from our managers. But like, if you want mentorship, you know, be someone to ask. Now, I don't, maybe your manager could be like a sucky person and they'll probably just, they're just praying, like, you know, keep you where you're at. You know, I mean, I've worked for people like that, you know, but maybe you could open mm -hmm. your own leadership's eyes, you know, and they might understand where you're coming yep. from and they, that might influence them to make some change, you know? And so like, yep. I always consider yeah. like employees as like talent, you know, they're talented team members. So I have the talent, but my talent needs to be cultivated. Right. But I need man. I need my, right. my, my superiors to help me cultivate that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you said that it's, uh, you have to be your own advocate, but there has to be, um, if that's the environment that, that you want to create in your company, you have to be willing to allow people to be oh, their yes, own advocates. Yeah. You have to empower them. Like you have right? to empower your team and you have the to. people in your organization. And if you haven't had that culture from the beginning and you know, you got to make the change, it's not going to happen just because you say it like, You've got, it's going to take some work. Yeah. And back to the point, you know, near the beginning of the show is that if your job as a senior leader has always been predicated or your success in your job is predicated on not recognizing that these things are problems, you're going to have a hard time seeing that there's an issue going on, or you're going to have a hard time changing your thinking in how to approach all of this. And so that's why I think it's so critical again, not to call back, but I think it just underscores the last like 30 minutes here. It's good. It has to start at the mid level. I mean, I think that one of the things that I, uh, yeah, I had this amazing professor at U of H, um, so Dr. Stephen Barth, um, and he, he taught, he still teaches the hospitality leadership class, and he did this 
one lecture, it, just, it changed my life. It literally even changed the way I wanted to do my career. And it's about emotional intelligence. You know, it doesn't, you can be, I've seen people who are like super duper experienced. They've like worked in a certain, you know, field or, or career for like 40 years or whatever, right? But they're so adaptable. They, they exercise emotional intelligence and they're phenomenal. And they're at the top of the game. But then I see people at the top of the game and they're like, they're like what we said earlier, just they don't want to be at the tip of the spear. We've already done this. Like they, they're not, they don't want to change. So, and I think like it takes having emotional intelligence, having that skill and that, that not everyone is born with it. Not everyone can even cultivate it, but that, that I think having that really does push the needle forward. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, before we wrap the show, I want to get your, your, your thoughts on something here. So you're about to be a new hotel owner. <clears throat> Huge. Congratulations. This is, this is amazing. This, you're, you're living my dream. I'm living my dream. <laughs> so one day, what, this yeah, you're living your dream. Yeah. Like, I'd love to at some, at some point and, down the road. Like advising owners for so long. So now it's like, yay, I, I got a little piece of a pie. <laughs> I don't want to eat it. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on you're kind of coming into ownership during, again, an interesting time. We've just spent a half hour talking about it. Uh, so, so many questions to ask, but I guess to, to just sort of do a succinct section here, what are your thoughts in balancing everything that we've just talked about today with, with, a, with a piece of real estate that you're now responsible for? That's great. Yeah. No, I, I think the one thing to just to, to a closing point that we can, I think we can both agree on with everything we've talked about and you know suggested and gave ideas on is that it's not going to work for every single type of hotel at all. Like the thing you, when you said like Facebook allows people on company time to work on their side hustle, I was like, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and that's because I'm not at that level, you know, to, to be able to offer right. that. So things like mentorship, right? Things like cultivating my talent. Those are little things I can do at my property, right? I can do to cultivate, um, just not, I, I can't, I don't have to just cultivate my talent, but I can cultivate my culture that I want to have. Cause I, I mean, I'm not going to stop at one hotel. Like I have dreams to have multiple properties and, and expand the entry and, and go beyond. And so it's going to start here for me. And so just, those are the two things that I can think of like right off the bat. Um, and then also things like diversity and equity and inclusion, you know, that that's also a no brainer for me. And that's something that I can bring into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I come from a family of operators, so that's in my blood. Um, I've operated one of our family hotels and one of my, my things was like, my philosophy was like, I don't want you to stay here forever. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to be better. You know, I, I want you to go somewhere else and work after you feel like you've gotten what you needed here. And that's something that I can continue to do. So that's how I'm going to try to balance that. Um, again, that's a bit easier for me to do because I, I, it's not, I don't have like 50 people who are going to be working for me at that one hotel. Yeah. You know, it's going to yeah. be me and the family and then a couple, like maybe like five other people I could bring in from outside. So yep. it's easy to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see when when I have my five big luxury hotels what I'll do then. But I don't want five <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I guess the point is is that 
there's no one size fits all solution here. Everybody's property, they will always tell you their hotel is different. And you know, they're that works there, but my place is different. Uh, but and that's okay. And that's okay. And that's that totally work for you. A hundred percent. There will be something thinking, but you know, thinking outside the box and trying and talking to your people and figuring things out for your specific use case. The point is, is just take action. You got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And don't just leave it at that. Like, don't just like ask just to ask, right? Like just, it, it's hard to create that, that, that inspiration in people, you know, but it, it's got to start somewhere. That's worse. If you ask and don't do like, just don't ask. If you, if you have no intentions of doing anything, then just don't, don't even do it. Yes. <laughs> That's another no, because you know, that reminds me like, um, I don't know if you can, if you have this situation, but I've had, um, like performance evaluations or whatever, where yeah, I'm going to evaluate, but then I can provide my feedback and then I give the feedback and then like, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. We'll do that. And then nothing. And it's like, why did you ask me? What can we do to be better? If you're not going to even do anything. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Or at least tell me why you can't do it. So I understand, but yeah. Yeah, no, (laughs) man, that'll be episode two. Accountability. Accountability. Exactly. Um, Tejal, this was this was great. Thank you for uh, for being on the show, giving some insight. If uh, anybody wants to learn more about you, uh, where should they go? Um, They can go on LinkedIn. Um, I will apologize ahead of time because if you do message me, it does take me some time to get back. But that is still one of the best ways to get in touch with me. Um, But also, I'm available by email. Um, and I think Adam will share those links, um, in the post show. So hundred percent. Yeah. It'll be just down in the show notes, uh, links to everything for sure. I, I'm pretty accessible. I like to think. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, best of luck with uh, the hotel and Thank a you. lot of great things, uh, on the horizon for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity. And I, I hope that your listeners found value. So thank you. This was my episode with Tejal Patel. You can find her on LinkedIn or at tejalpatel.co. I'll link to both in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a project or just someone to work with on a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to The Proven Principles Podcast.